When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And I already see that the phones have been busy this morning, so please bear with us if you're having problems getting through. And of course, you can always uh, text because they come straight into me here at the uh, studio here, uh, straight into the studio. Okay, new restrictions will today be considered as a number of coronavirus cases as they continue to rise in this country. And I think we were all quite shocked to hear the figure of 200 that was announced at the weekend. Our infection rate now has hit 23. That's per 100,000 people. We have now surpassed the UK figure. Their figure is at 18 per 100,000. It's 16 in Germany. Spain's has gone off the Richter scale again. They're at 115. So we're not as high as that. And we're also not as high as France, who are at 41 per 100,000. But the figure of 23 per 100,000 uh, cases in this country, our own Thishak Michal Martin, calling the situation deeply, deeply concerning. And of course, huge outrage over the weekend of the video that circulated showing the bar in Dublin's city centre where the punters were appearing to completely ignore public health uh, advice and the government uh, representatives of the bar trade and the general public all hit out of the weekend of the scenes. The bar is called the Berlin D2 bar. It's in Dame Street in uh, Dublin. And, you know, that was happening on the same weekend that we had more than 260 new cases of COVID-19 announced. And it was just like a slap in the face to so many uh, people. And we're going to be discussing discussing that today, particularly with regards to, I mean, I I took to social media when I saw this video and sort of just said, and rural bars are closed because 
it's just not making any sense to me. If we can have scenes like that in a bar and yet they can say that a small, you can't open a small little rural bar because you wouldn't be able to do the social distancing and should it only see a mad spike in an increase in COVID-19 cases. I don't think you're rural, but you, it's scenes that we saw in that video. I don't think you've seen any of those in a small rural bar. John and Clonakilty says on the behaviour in the pub restaurant in Dublin on Saturday, it needs to stop. We in the rest of Ireland are doing our very, very best to keep this virus at bay. It's a waste of time if everyone is not in the same frame of mind. Neffet need to close Dublin down, says John and Clonakilty, and they need to close it down now. The amount of people that have heard that being said, why are they not closing down Dublin? They'll close down the rest of the country before they close down Dublin and I haven't heard anything that leads me to believe that a closure of Dublin is on the cards. Now, the National Public Health Emergency Team, Neffet, they're meeting today to decide measures to try to protect the most vulnerable members of our uh, community and the Acting Chief Medical Officer, Ronan Glynn, saying the reopening of the schools will be considered as part of the advice to the Cabinet. Now, that line is going to worry a lot of parents who the focus has been for many, many weeks now, the focus has been get the schools reopened, get the schools reopened. Parents are doing their best to get everything ready, to have all the little ones ready to head to school. It'll be the end of next week, won't it? It's only next week we're talking about now. Schools themselves are doing everything to put everything in place. But my big worry is if the numbers continue to rise, like if we get four three, four or five days with 200 cases every day. Are we, are we sort of then going to say there isn't, there isn't a hope in hell of us opening the schools and this, does it really put us back to square one? Are we going to be back where we were in March? And an influential uh, doctor, um, Gabriel Scali, he's come out at the weekend. He's going a step further. He reckons the state, this is all now to do with what happened in Dublin. He says that the state must act legally against any business aiding the spread of the virus, either through neglect. And he obviously was talking about the rise in the spread of COVID-19 cases, not just in Dublin, but all over over the country. Obviously, he's talking about what's happening at meat plants uh, as well. Dr Scali said the government needs to take extremely strong action when anyone is putting others at risk. He says, as this is verging on criminal activity. Why? Because he said lives are being put at risk. He said the state can alter the law. He says they can pass emergency legislation which would take away a person's licence. It would close down a business, any business that was proving that they're not protecting public health. And he said that includes pubs. Take their licence away. He said it will be very difficult to open schools unless we know exactly where the cases are coming from. He said if there are substantial numbers within the local community, he said it will be not wise to open the school. He said not because young children are at risk of COVID-19, but he said they're at risk of getting it and then transmitting the virus, bringing it home and bringing it home to more vulnerable people. He said they were concerned about schools acting as transmission hubs. So he said the only way for schools to open safely was for there to be a good local knowledge about the level of infection. He says the phased reopening of the country has afforded people the opportunity to socialise and to get out and about and to mix and to be with each other. He said, however, some are doing this recklessly and they're undermining the efforts of the majority of people around the country who are following the public health advice. He said it cannot continue. The pandemic isn't over just because we're all tired of living with it. The pandemic is there. 
the coronavirus is still there. He said we must all learn to behave. We must all learn to inter- interact in a new way over the coming months so that COVID-19 cannot take root again in our communities. He went on then to say, please avoid crowds, reduce your social con- con- contacts, keep your distance from others, wash your hands and wear your uh, face covering. But he's gone so far as to say the government should act now on a legal point of view, pass emergency legislation whereby if any business, if you could point to any business and there was evidence there that they were deliberately flouting all the laws and they were putting the general public at risk, you simply close them down. And you know something? I think a lot of people would agree with uh, Dr Gabriel Scali and I don't think anyone would object to that kind of legislation being passed, particularly why, as he said, just because we're all, and we all, we are all tired of living with COVID-19. We are, we are, we're all tired of the restrictions and it becomes annoying at times. You go to walk into a shop and you remember, oh, I've got my mask and you have to go back to the car uh, to get your mask. And we're all fed up of not being able to socialise the way we had socialised before. We can't go certain places. None of us, those of us who wanted to go away on a foreign holiday, we can't go away this year. But we're all doing it. We're all, the majority of us are following all the public health advice. And it's a very small minority but that's all we need we just that small minority if they're not playing ball they are the ones then that will cause COVID-19 to spread out into the community and more and more people will get them will get it the only thing at the moment we can take comfort from is the fact that we're not seeing a spike in the number of cases that need to go into hospital again whenever we get the figures we're seeing the you know the bulk of the people that are contracting COVID-19 are under the age of 45 and for the majority of them they won't need a hospital bed, thank God. But the fear is that if it goes back into the community COVID-19 doesn't know what age somebody is and the fear is then that the older people, those that are medically vulnerable, they'll end up contracting COVID-19 they will end up in hospital then our hospital system gets swamped and then everybody suffers because there literally won't be a hospital bed for everyone that needs it and we won't be able to give the cancer treatment to the people that need it. Children won't be able to get the care and attention they need. So the whole of society suffers. A lot of people I think you know foolishly thinking oh well I'm young I'm not going to COVID-19 if I get it it'll only be like a flu I'll be fine I won't I won't die. Yeah you mightn't die but a family member might or another family member may need hospital attention for something else and the hospital bed will not be available. We're all very much in this together but it's to try and get that message across to people. So we will watch with great interest to see the Neffet meeting today what is going to come out from that with the rising numbers and unfortunately the rising numbers coincided with that video footage being shown at the weekend. The fear would be that we will go backwards with our restrictions which a lot of other countries are doing and I mean I was reading this morning so many other countries Spain and Italy are probably the two main ones are putting back in restrictions they had moved out onto a new phase but they're going back with restrictions again because they're seeing a huge spike in their numbers in Spain and in Italy and they had started to flatten the curve you'd have to feel really really sorry for them but they're going back and one of the things that they're certainly doing which we've done here is the introduction 
question of the wearing of face masks is becoming mandatory in so many countries, uh, other countries as well, not just here. And actually on the man- mandatory wearing of face masks, Catherine has emailed Patricia at c103.ie and says, everybody seems to be delighted with mask wearing. But I feel that it's giving people a false sense of security. Washing your hands is a million times more important than wearing a mask. As long as your hands are clean before you touch your face, you are going to be safe. I think, says Catherine, that people have become complacent about that and it's not being talked about at all. We need to stop talking about masks and focus more on the hand washing, says Catherine. And Catherine makes, you do make a very, very valid point. And I do think the wearing of face masks has led to a bit of complacency when it comes to social distancing. People are almost feeling superhuman because they've got their mask on and I'm safe because I've got my mask on. You're not. We're only we're only protecting other people by us wearing the masks. It's not going to really stop us getting COVID-19 because if we're out and we meet somebody that has COVID-19 and the COVID-19, as Catherine says, ends up on our hands or on the front of our mask and then we take off the mask, don't wash our hands, then we are putting ourselves at risk. So you are very right. So it is so, so important to keep up the hand hygiene and the hand uh, washing. And that's going to be a huge thing, I think, when the kids go back to school. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul taking your course. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can 0862 103-103. I was reading out the weather forecast at the top of the programme. I forgot to mention there is a status yellow rain wa- rainfall warning in place for Munster. It's for other parts of the country as well, but it's here with us in uh, Munster. Metairn are issuing this weather warning saying heavy, possibly thundery rain at uh, times throughout the day today and it localised flooding may occur and it is in place until midnight tonight and we will later on on the programme be going to West Cork more devastating floods at the weekend. I mean, we were on Thursday here on the programme talking about the flooding that had happened in uh, Roscarbury, Glandore, that general area. On Thursday and Friday, we were discussing what had happened on Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Well, unfortunately, the good people of West Cork went to bed on Friday night and Friday into Saturday. They had more torrential downpours, so so we will focus on that. But there is a status yellow rainfall warning in place as we speak. On the what's been happening with the pubs, and the scenes that came out of the pub in uh, Dublin. Uh, Mara says, the crack of the chipper pulling up beside a pub and serving food is a joke. That should be stopped and it should be stopped straight away, says uh, Morris. Meg says, now we'll all have to suffer because what happened in uh, in Dublin and our government haven't given the Gardaí the powers that they need, what Dr Gabriel Scali says if emergency legislation needs to be passed then pass it so that the Gardaí have the powers to close down businesses that breach the rules. Hi Patricia why is in Dublin being locked down? Lock it down for a full month. We're all fools wearing masks and washing our hands. Well we're not fools to do that that's just sensible. Anyway also close off all the off licences they should have done that a long time ago. The beaches and the parks are shrewn with bottles and cans there's no need for all this meeting up lock down Dublin and close off the off licences. Hi Patricia the pubs 
and the restaurants will have to close. There are too many going in for a drink and not being served food. This isn't only happening in Dublin, it's happening everywhere. When all of the pubs and restaurants were closed down, we didn't have the cases that we are seeing today. We need to close it all down. Tom and Gormick says the Gardaí need to be more strict when it comes to bars. There are too many people in some bars, more than there should be to allow for social distancing. I feel they should not have reopened the bars whatsoever. It's only ruining our chances for the reopening of the country. And again, I have to say, in the majority of cases, I think bar owners and restaurant owners are being very sensible, but it's the minority that are going to ruin it for the majority. Michael says he was in Galway at the weekend staying in a particular hotel and he said the behaviour was ridiculous. Yes, he said the hotel was closed to the general public, but the bar kept going until 6am. He said it was full lash with people shouting and roaring. Social distancing, by the way, he said it was out the window. So please, he said, don't think it's only going on in Dublin because it's not. He said it's happening in other parts of the country as well. And John says, I don't understand. I I don't, everyone should have to pay the price. He said, I don't feel that everyone should have to pay the price because of the party that went on in uh, Dublin. John's fear is, having witnessed what we saw in the video, that there's no way the bars will open now and he wants the bars to open. Some of your thoughts coming into 1850-333-103 and by text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Further restrictions to protect the elderly and other vulnerable groups from COVID-19 are to be considered today by Neffet amid deep concern about a sharp increase in confirmed cases. With his views on what's happening, I'm joined by Dr Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie. Good morning to you, Nick. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Nick, a steady rise in COVID cases over the last 14 days with 266 at the weekend. What do you attribute to the rise in cases? Uh, Well, certainly it's not surprising, although it's disappointing that cases are are rising, Patricia, and as society opened up and as economic and social activity resumed in in its different forms, there was going to be, um, I suppose, cases for, for... we're going to increase, uh, and, we, and we've seen that particularly then in, in, in certain, um, yeah, I suppose, workplace settings. You know, the meat factories, the mushroom factory, uh, and but I think the important uh, one of the important figures over the weekend, though, is the uh, number of the, those cases which were community transmissions. If you just take Saturday on its own, when we had that kind of headline figure of 200 uh, cases. Only 25% of them, or 50 of the 200, were community transmissions. That means that the other 150 cases, uh, public health uh, specialists were able to identify where the virus had come from, so who gave that person the virus. Uh, And and that's reassuring to some degree that, look, there was only 50 cases, which is still a lot, but there was 50 of the 200 where where they didn't know where it came from, this community transmission. If that community transmission figure increases, then we'll have real cause to, uh, to, to worry because that means that we can't, we don't know where, it, where the virus has come from and then we can't close it down so we can't isolate the people who, who, are, who are spreading it. So, so that community transmission figure is, is, is very important um, and, and I, I, I encourage people to keep an eye on that and then keep an eye on the, the hospital admissions and the ICU admissions which thankfully still remain low. But coming back to your question, look, it's, it's disappointing but not altogether surprising that, that, that numbers increase as, uh, as economic activity increases and then what, what, what can we do again it comes down to what we've been asked to do from our personal responsibility point of view and it is down to the individuals now um, that we like follow the advice that, 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 that we're now kind of it has been drilled into us about hand washing physical distancing wearing masks 
uh, not uh, hanging around in groups, so to limit our contacts. Uh, and then when we have symptoms, to isolate ourselves and contact our, our GP to arrange testing. If you were on the NEFID team today, what would you be suggesting that they do? Well, I think the first thing I think is that I think NEFID will be concerned and they'll, they'll have a very difficult um, uh, day-to-day because um, NEFID is a big group. I think there's 36 voices in NEFID. So clearly it's difficult to get consensus with such such a big group. So so there, there will be a lot of concern with NEFID because the, the cases have, have been rising. But having said that, I don't expect that there will be a lot of change in, in the advice. I don't think we'll be looking at any uh, additional lockdowns unless they decide to extend the lockdowns in the areas that, that, that they're, they're in. Um, the, I think it'll be a reminder to us to do all the things that we've said. And if you look at, if you look at the weekend, uh, uh, Patricia, and you look at the, like that, the, what were very worrying scenes coming out of that, that, that pub in Dublin, like almost, like when you looked at it, it was almost like what, what Moses came down to when he came down from the mountain with, with the Ten Commandments. Like, it was like so disappointing after all of the collective effort from the, from the public to, 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 to flatten the curve, which we, everybody took a lot of pain and a lot of self-discipline to do. And, and then if you look at the, the essential services from, you know, the shopkeeper, the people working in shops, the, 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 the you know the, the the hospital workers, the healthcare workers, all of that effort, and then getting it disregarded in that manner, and, and quite rightly, the pub is coming has come in under criticism. But equally, every single person in that pub yeah, should be yeah. just as criticised. Absolutely, because they Absolutely. can't they can't pretend that they thought that was okay. And what, what annoyed me was I was out in a, in a gastro bar on Saturday night, lovely family meal, the three of us uh, headed off. And it was really lovely. It was relaxed. It felt very safe. All the tables were spread out. There was enough room to walk around. You know, that the majority of restaurants and gastro bars are getting it right. No, no absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't been out much, uh, Patricia, but I, I went out with, with, with three friends in Crosshaven into the Or last week last weekend we didn't have a booking we asked could we come in for an hour could we need a table for an hour and it was very strict we had to have a meal we were only there for, for, for like for literally two points on the way home you know we had to sit down have a meal every associate distance and we were reminded when it was coming towards the end of the you have to leave and as we were leaving they were cleaning down the table it couldn't have been better mm. and then you look at what was going on in Dublin I think that's just not right and it's not fair. You know, and if you listen to the commentary from the Vintners Federation, I mean, clearly, well, clearly there's been a lot of outcry about it, but like the, the Vintners themselves, I think, have, have been shocked and disappointed have, by yeah. it. Because two weeks ago, like, we, we, we were all kind of saying, would, would the pubs open? Will they get a chance? You know, and I don't think there's any, like most people who know, like rural pubs and local bars, like that would never happen at the best. That would happen at the best, like at the best of times, where you have some guy up at the bar pouring drink into people's mouths. Like it's it's wrong on so many levels. Like from like from a uh, even the responsibility and, and and consuming alcohol responsibly to the to the COVID nineteen issues. It was just wrong on so many levels, Patricia. So it really has done that industry no favors. Uh, and when you look at Neffet today, they're certainly not going to be saying, look. We we look at the bars and in four weeks that'll be well off the agenda. If a couple of questions in from listeners, could you ask Nick? Nick, if numbers continue to rise, could the op- reopening of schools be under threat? Uh, I, I I think it should be, but I don't think it will be. I think that what we have is now a huge uh, kind of uh, a political will to open the schools. So I think the schools will open. I think what we will see in, in, with, with schools opening is what we see in other areas for physical distancing is not possible. And let's be honest, it's going to be very difficult to maintain physical distance in schools with both younger children
children and the teenage children, it's going to be a little bit more difficult probably to stop them congregating in groups before school, at breaks and after school, you know, to get them to wash their hands, wear masks. You know, I think mask wearing in schools should be compulsory, compulsory for all ages until they, they, they get to the age where they can't wear masks. But I think what will happen is that we will have clusters associated with schools in the open. It might take a couple of weeks, but I can't see how that won't happen. And that, and because of the, the the policies we've picked, and we've picked you know this containment or this sustained suppression of the virus, which basically means that we tolerate some level of virus activity in the community, that we try to, to identify it and isolate it and stop it spreading and stop it becoming a, a big problem in that area. Because that's the, the path we've picked, we haven't picked elimination where you where you have no virus in the community. Because we picked this containment uh, pathway, we're we're going to have uh, clusters associated mm-hmm. with schools, mm-hmm. and and that is almost an inevitability. And when it happens, it's just that we accept it's happened and we behave responsibly. That we close it down. I mean, I mean the outbreak down, and that might mean the school is closed for two weeks. Whatever measures go there, but it will happen. We will see this recurring through throughout the winter. Okay, Thomas in Douglas, could you ask uh, Dr. Nick, while the outbreaks are in workplaces and they appear to be in the main amongst younger people, would he fear that the real danger is it gets back into nursing homes? It's one of one of many dangers. I think nursing nursing homes have have, have really, um, I suppose, become very have become hyper aware about letting the virus in uh, and I think it's probably a, quite a safe setting at, at the moment from the point of view of the, the checks and balances that are in place to stop uh, the virus coming in through staff and through visitors so so yeah no it, but but I think more more of a risk uh, is that you'll have vulnerable uh, relatives of people who uh, maybe are, are working in those settings or in that bar at the weekend and, 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 and they don't have any checks and balances coming into their private houses to stop the virus coming in you know so mm-hmm. and people, people without symptoms young people we have a responsibility you know that although we are less at risk you know, the risk isn't zero you can still become unwell as a young person with this but, but we have a responsibility to behave in a way that protects our vulnerable relatives or the lo- our loved ones and just the vulnerable people in society in general yeah, so yeah. the elderly and, 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 and those who are unwell and, and the thing is that we know now and we've known for months about this virus that asymptomatic spread is a real thing and it's a real threat so visiting your elderly relatives which we weren't doing during lockdown we weren't doing well while, while they were cocooning if you've been socially irresponsible and you bring the virus in, will you be able to live with yourself in good conscience if that person gets sick? If it happens because you happen to pick it up in the shop, you know, when you were doing everything you should do and it still happens, well, I think nobody would have to feel guilty about that. But if it happens because you were at, you know, Club Piero or you were, you know, at a house party with 30, 40 people, I think then that's when people should look at themselves and say, look, is this fair? Yeah, yeah you live with the guilt. Are you yeah. happy with the testing and the contact tracing? Is all of that running smoothly? It's running smoothly at the moment, but I don't really understand why we didn't stress test the system. So um, I think we were told, and it's going back probably six or eight weeks ago now, that we have the capacity to run 100,000 tests a day. I don't think we've been scratching the underbelly of that. So I think we're in the low tens of thousands of tests that are that are being done. And really, I, I don't understand why we, we didn't try and, for a couple of weeks, run as close to 100,000 tests or as close to capacity as possible so that when in the winter we know this system works, we know the system can, can process that many tests, and we know when that many tests are ordered, this is the turnaround time. So at the moment, from my point of view, if I have a patient who needs to be tested, and we have them every week, uh, every day of every week, uh, 
we get them tested same day next day excellent get results next day again excellent but the real question is in the middle of winter when we're our referrals are increased 10, 20, maybe 50 fold. And we don't know what's going to happen. Will the system still respond as quickly and as efficiently? And we just seem to, I mean, I'm sure that the experts know why they haven't done this, but I, I, I just wonder why we didn't stress test that system during, during the summer at the airport, at the port, in workplace settings, whatever, that we just really ramped up testing uh, to, 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 as I say, to, to, just to test the mm, system and prove it Absolutely, works. absolutely. And how are your surgeries going? Are you busy? Yeah, we're busy. We're, we're, we're busy. We're very busy. Actually, actually we, I think uh, for a summer, um, uh, I suppose, period, we've never been busier. Uh, we clearly, the rules of engagement to some degree have changed. Uh, we, we're still talking to people through phone and video before we see them face to face. But we're seeing everybody who needs to be seen face to face is being seen face to face with appropriate uh, precautions for that situation. Um, so yeah, they're, 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 we're, we're very busy because at, at, when lockdown kind of eased, we were kind of catching up a little bit. You know, we were catching up maybe on some vaccines and uh, on, on some delayed, what we call episodes of care, or people who've been putting off coming to us. Then we kind of had a, a, to look at what we're going to be doing for the winter. And, and across all general practices, I think, we're not unique in this. Everybody has said, look, you know what we'll do? Everybody who will be due to come for a checkup between September and April, let's try and get them in before September. So we've been working really hard to get our, the elderly patients in and the patients on, on dangerous medications and the patients who have existing medical conditions to get them into the surgeries, get their bloods done, get their, their whatever physical checks are needed, and to get that done before the winter. Um, so that, that, like we've been flat out really, um, the smear, cervical smear testing restarted this month. Again, that's made our nurses very busy. We've had like three or four months where, where uh, women haven't been able to access smears. We know that there are interval cancers uh, or interval high-risk uh, results smears that are out there that we need to find. So we've been very busy getting up to speed with our smear tests as well. And, and again, p- people have been very patient with us because it has un- interrupted the way in which people come to us. You, like, you can't walk into the surgery anymore. You know, you, you can't ring and say, look, I've got a pain and my gout is back. Can I just come and see you? I want to see you. So, so things that can be sorted uh, over the phone or video will be sorted in that way. But equally, anything that needs to be seen, you are seeing mean, people. Yeah, yeah. And, and people are people are very understanding with that. And you know, like I suppose Grenades is, is, is we, we've got a couple of surgeries. Grenades are our most recent surgery, and look, we're very happy with it. It's going going very well. And, and but people of Grenades have also been very patient with the service, of, and, and in fairness, and very thankful for the efforts that we made to keep them safe as well as keeping the staff. staff yeah, safe. it's been hard on people. It it, it yeah. really has. Uh, John says, could you ask Doctor Doctor Nick does he think house parties and drink? This is off licenses, I, I assume is what John me- means, should be banned. Uh, a lot of people feeling it's alcohol. It's what's loosening people up. They're well, fine. They're all in social distancing. Get a few drinks in it. All yeah. goes out the door. Um, well, I, I, I think it's the, the, what's practical and what's possible. Um, I don't think it's either practical or possible to ban alcohol. I think that, you know, prohibition is long since gone and we see with other drugs when you ban, when you ban them. People who really want them can still get them. You know, you've less control over the quality of them. Uh, so I, I think it's about the public health message. So bringing people with us uh, and trying to change their behaviour, modify their behaviour. Um, and when people make mistakes, just explaining why that's the mistake and moving on. I, I, I just don't, like, even, like, I don't think it's possible to, to ban the sale of alcohol. You, you, you close pubs, the 
supermarkets and all the small shops now sell alcohol and wine. You and know. you can't ban who people invite into their private homes. No, absolutely. I mean, look, and, and you know, people brew their own alcohol. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it would be, it it, it would drive uh, uh, what what needs to be a well regulated industry. It would drive it underground to ban it. I think. Okay, lots of people wanted to say well done to to Dr. Nick talking so much sense, and then a number of people are looking for your advice on the flu vaccine. Uh, somebody saying, could you ask Dr. Nick, will we be, will we be getting the flu vaccine earlier than usual this year? That's Dennis and two other people said, is now the time for us to be getting our flu vaccine? Yeah, so the flu vaccine isn't uh, hasn't been made available to general practice yet. It normally comes late September, early October. Uh, and while we will be starting earlier this year, my understanding is that we'll be starting with the uh, paediatric vaccine, um, and that's due to start next month. So while the vaccine will be available a little bit earlier, I don't think adults will be vaccinated to any uh, large degree until October again. But again, it's very important everybody gets the flu vaccine this year it's you know like we're like dealing already with COVID-19 we're like we're going to be dealing with influenza A influenza B with all the other viruses that cause you know tummy bugs and ear infections throat infections like coming into winter so it's going to be a very difficult winter uh, we do need to vaccinate as many people as possible and we'd like as many people as possible to come forward for vaccination logistically it's a big task we spoke already about like how busy uh the healthcare services are catching up uh, and, and preparing for the winter. Uh, so we are busy uh, adding, I think it's 800,000 potential extra vaccines uh, or uh, will, will general practice will, or, uh, will have to try and deliver uh, this year compared to last year when you add in the children. That's a big task. Yeah. Um, logistically, we have to figure out how we're going to do that. Uh, and I suppose it's only four, four weeks away. So it'll probably mean additional clinics, maybe evening clinics, weekend clinics. Um, you know, maybe additional staff where that's possible, but it won't be one size fits, fits all. Different practices will come up with different solutions, I'm sure. Um, but it, that will all need support. And my understanding is that there will be some supports for that coming through uh, the HSE. Okay, and uh, John is looking for advice. He needs to go to an NCT centre and he's a bit nervous about it. He has an underlying health condition, but he also cares for a family member who is medically very vulnerable. He's afraid that if he goes to the NCT centre, he could pick up the virus uh, either while there or from the car. What advice would Nick give? Yeah, I think a very good question and and very real uh, real fears there. Um, So the the first thing is, John, wear a mask, uh, Bring your alcohol gel with you. Use it frequently uh, when you um, like the, the the NCT centres. In fairness, they're normally big and reasonably airy. You know, when you drop off your car, spend a minimum amount of time in the reception area. Wait outside again. Less likely to get the vaccine, get the um, virus when you're waiting outside. I mean, after every handle you touch, after like every interaction, make sure you wash your hands. I don't know what the what the NCT centres. Um, decontamination protocol is when they're handing a car back but I'm sure they have one if they don't just make sure touch surfaces when you get into the car your steering wheel your handbrake your um, you know your indicators uh, the the, the door handles everything that can be touched that you wipe that down with with alcohol and you should be reasonably safe Uh, but I think it's a very good question and and, and what it shows is that John is thinking about the risk and thinking Mm. how he can manage the risk and really it's in every situation that people need to do that but but we can you can decrease the risk in how you behave Uh, and I think the fact that John's thinking about it, I'm sure that, that that he'll manage it quite well. But just limit the number of the kind of uh, interactions he has with people at the centre. Don't hang around at the centre while the, while the car has been NCT'd. Wash his hands regularly and 
I'm sure there is a decontamination protocol with the NCT sensor, uh, but even if there is, just uh, for himself to wipe down the touch surfaces in the car when he gets it back. Okay, and just a very final, and I appreciate you've given us lots of time today. This, but we had an email in earlier on about them wearing a mask, and people are getting very good about the wearing a mask. But Catherine, one of our listeners, and a number of people are agreeing with her. Are we getting a bit complacent just because we've got a mask on? Catherine is fearful that we're just not washing our hands as much as we should be, and that surely hand washing is even more important than the wearing of the mask. Yeah, I. I Personally, I think they're equally important. Um, hand washing uh, is important for the person who washes their hands and wearing of masks is important for everybody else. So my mask protects you, your mask protects me is, is, is the mantra. Uh, so they, I suppose they do slightly different different jobs in that hand washing protects yourself and, and a mask protects those around you in case that you are asymptomatic and, and might be spreading it. I, w- I, w- I would put them both as being equal in with the physical distancing, in with the cough etiquette, you know, in with the don't uh, hang around in crowds. If you go to a place that feels unsafe, leave again, you know. Uh, again, personal responsibility. Uh, one thing I would say, um, and I think the message, this message is pretty much out, out there now, is that face visors really are not at all helpful. There's no evidence that a face visor uh, will protect those around you. There's a big space between the visor and uh, and your mouth and nose. The virus can travel down around and underneath it. Um, it's probably better than nothing, but we don't know how much better than nothing it is and is in no way as good as a mask. So uh, anybody who's wearing a visor, uh, thinking that they're wearing a face covering, uh, the message is that you're not really, and, and please try and wear a mask. Okay. Listen, you've been a mind of information as always. Thank you for that. We always appreciate Thanks, you Jim. taking time out to talk to us. We'll talk Cheers. again. Bye okay. bye. Thank you. Bye bye. That is uh, Dr. Nick Flynn from mycorkgp.ie. 1850 uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. It's getting reports in of an oil spill on the road between New Tupot House and the Bad Bends in Ballybeg. As you head towards Bottevant, please drive with extreme care. That is a, a dangerous road at the best of times without an oil spill on it. That's between New Tupot House and the Bad Bends in uh, Ballybeg. A lot of commentary coming into us. I will get to it in a moment, but there has been a very angry backlash from government, from the bar trade and indeed from the general public to the video from Saturday afternoon that appears to show total disregard to public health advice in a Dublin bar. Councillor Danny Collins owns and runs the Boston Bar in Bantry, which is currently closed at the moment. And uh, Danny joins me. Good morning to you, Danny. Good morning. And and you're welcome uh, to the programme. What was your reaction when you saw that video? Um, Anger, to be quite honest. Cross, you know what I mean? Um, Total, like I just thought to myself, total disrespect for the people who are working frontline staff and plus the people what you call it, who are doing their best to fight this pandemic. And like, you know, I'd be quite honest, it was like, I don't know what, to, what would you describe it, to be quite honest, like uh, have a barman standing on top of a counter pouring drinks into people's mouths like, like that was, was like a madhouse, to be quite honest. Neat spirits. It looked like it was a bottle of whiskey. I, just, I couldn't believe, couldn't, couldn't believe uh, uh, what, what I was seeing. Um, some will say, though, that this is just one bar that got caught on video. Do you think that there are others who are also flouting the restrictions? 
Well, I've been to a lot of them around West Cork and in Kerry, um, Patricia, over the past number of weeks since they reopened, meeting bars and restaurants, and everyone is doing their best, you know, to follow the guidelines and, you know, have the social distancing going on. I'll be quite honest, I have not seen any evidence of anything happening in both Cork or Kerry. Uh, any place I, I visited, whether it's in a hotel or a restaurant or a, a gastro bar or a bar that's serving food, not one one place. You're that's good to hear. Door. You're met at the door, you're taking your seat or you'll be told to go to your seat, whatever, you're told to maybe hold out for a while. And like everything, is, your food has been brought to you, your drink has been brought to you. And like, you know, people are, people are you know, adapting to it. Like it'll take a, a long while for a lot of other people to adapt to it. But look, what you call it, that's, that's what I've seen so far. But a small minority will ruin it for everybody else. Yes, and that's what we've seen there in um, this um, Berlin O2 or D2 bar, like, you know, like what happened there is like, even for a barman to jump, like in normal times, even for a barman to jump the top of a counter and start pouring drinks into people's mouths like that. I'm quite honest, it's it's total and utter madness. And like, you know, you know, it's like his boss has come out and has has all right, he has condemned it, but said it's only twenty seconds of madness. He said, "Excuse, but like this, this should not be happening at all." At all, whether like there's no pandemic or whatever, like you know, a barman should like must have the responsibility of running a bar and for the safety of the people and whatnot. Do you believe the bar should be closed down? I honestly think the um, HSE should review it and what you call it, maybe, maybe look, like as as has said, what you call it, that um, it has only been just 20 seconds of madness. This part should be watched very much so over the next couple of weeks and like see are they go, um, going with the guidelines. And I suppose the real fear and certainly getting calls in backing up this fear with Neffet meeting today, we've had, you know, the 260 odd cases over the weekend. That was quite a fright for people to see the numbers rising. Neffet meeting today and while the figures are rising, that video comes out. Is there a danger that that's a further nail in the coffin for the opening I, of I, bars like yours? That's, that's Well, I, I, quite honest, Patricia, I did open this weekend myself. Okay. Um, I got a pizza machine in there last week and plus I was serving other meals like the lasagna and curry and things. But quite honest, I'm giving it a two-week trial to see, like, will it pay or not. Like, it, it means for me to take on extra staff. Like, last night now I had four on, like myself and, and three others, like, and basically, like, with the numbers I am dealing with, like, I I can see myself, I, it's, like, it's not paying, like, and I, I will, well, look, I, I go with it for up to two weeks and see how it goes, like, but, um, like anyone that came in again to my place last night, they went to their table. Like after six o'clock, especially in weekends, they do a booking system, and for the weekend, and like it worked out perfectly. Like everyone had their tables and whatnot. But um, look, yes, uh, like this is this is going to be like what if Neffet meet today and, and after seeing this, this could like have a detrimental effect in pubs, especially like all over the country, and like you know. This, this does, these things don't happen in pubs down in, we say, Goleen or Castledown Bay or we say, Kilker Hat. Like, like, you know, we're closed, to be quite honest. And, like, I honestly believe we should be reopened because the simple reason, we don't have the numbers, like we say, going into pubs like we have above in Dublin. And basically, out there, Patricia, there's a lot of loneliness happening there. I know people out there who are lonely, they're, what you call it, they're living on their own. They, they love coming out for a drink. 
and what you call it, just meeting, meeting a few locals, having a bit of gossip, and like moving on. And uh, like, be quite honest, um, I opened the weekend. Um, I opened there on Thursday. It's hard to get through to these some of these people. Like you know, you have to have something to eat. Fair play, they did. They what you call it, they have that, and their their nine euro meal, whatever the substantial meal. But like you know. I can see them not coming back after that because they only want to come out for their drink. And yeah, and they're not looking to come out for an alcohol fueled event. They no. just want a few drinks and then go home. That's basically yeah. it. That's what, right? 80-90% <laughs> of my customers, especially my daytime customers, they're retired and they're elderly and what you got to do, just want something, something, somewhere to go, somewhere to be person, hear, hear a bit of news, what not like. And like, you know, um, carry on normally but look I'm afraid now at the end of the month what you got we're going to be us pubs are going to be targeted again and not be reopened um, the, the, we said it was called the drink pubs like you said we'll wait and see what Neffet have to say today uh, Danny but in the meantime thank you for that and no thanks for joining us on the programme good morning to you that is West Cork Councillor Danny Collins who also happens to own and run the Boston Bar in uh, Bantry some of your thoughts in on this all they have to do is close down this establishment the Berlin Bar in Dublin and fine those people they must have taken the names and contact details of everybody who was in the bar because that's what you have to do for contact tracing. So they'll know all of the people that were there on Saturday afternoon. If others see the closing down of one place, they won't be long falling into line and adhering to the rules for fear that they would also be closed. Most of the people attending this event are now back out in the community in the workplace and back at their workplaces today. They could be carrying the virus and therefore going on to put everybody else at uh, risk. Patricia, on the behaviour of the pub in Dublin, it backs up the rules. The pubs should never have been allowed to open. Drink changes people's behaviour. You can meet somebody who is the nicest, quietest person you would ever know on this earth. Meet them then after a few drinks and you'd be keeping out of their path altogether. A drink can and does a change at people. Hi Patricia, appalling behaviour in the Dublin pub and restaurant. Is it true that some hotels around the country are running weddings with 50 guests in adjoining rooms but then the crowd mingles after the meal? Well, I've never heard of that and I don't know if that's an urban myth or not. Wedding receptions should be registered at a local guard station and the guardie then should check if two adjoining rooms um, are a way of getting around the current restrictions that are in place. We all need to call out bad behaviour and to protect the vulnerable. Hotels will risk spread of the... Hotels who risk spreading the virus should be closed. Same with restaurants, same with bars. Please appeal to the public to report bad, dangerous behaviour and show respect to our healthcare workers. This morning's reading of the opinion of the independent Dáil Deputy Michael McNamara, who happens to be the chair of the COVID-19 Dáil Committee, that we are just overreacting is just appalling and our Minister for Tourism should ask him to step aside. The COVID-19 committee should uphold health advice. Michael McCarthy clearly doesn't. And what that listener is responding to is the independent TD for Clare, Michael uh, McNamara, who is the head of the the COVID-19 committee. He was speaking yesterday on national radio. I actually heard the interview and he was talking about Michael 
Crawley. Who's Michael Crawley? Michael Crawley was the head of the Fault Ireland. He was the chairman of Fault Ireland. He was up until the weekend and he was forced to resign because it was discovered he was in Italy. He'd gone away on a family holiday at a time when we're all told to staycation and this was the guy who was the head of Fault Ireland. Anyway, and there was so many people giving out about Michael Cawley at the weekend when the news broke that he was in Italy on holidays and there was lots of people calling for his resignation and then he did. He did He did resign but you know the fallout from it was people were saying cannot believe that somebody who's heading up an organisation that is encouraging people to come to this country and more importantly to stay in this country and for all of us to staycation and advocating all the wonderful things that we can do in this country and lo and behold we discover he's off in Italy on holidays with his family now his defence by the way of it was he didn't book the holiday another family member did and he didn't want to disappoint the other family member which I thought was a very very weak defence I have to say anyway then Michael McNamara steps into the fray and starts defending the head of Alta Ireland for going away to Italy and he says we, this is what Michael McNamara says, we are entering into a state of hysteria. He also went on by the way to say that the decision to lock down Kader Alicia Anopheli was an overreaction by the state and he said Ireland has shut down its aviation sector. He says that was with uh, little gain. And so there's a lot of people criticising now Michael McNamara but I think it's the fact even if he was just a doll, an independent doll deputy making the criticism, making the argument for Michael Crawley might be okay, but it's the fact that he is the chairman of the Dolls Coronavirus uh, Committee. Now, some people are even calling for his resignation, but anyway, we'll have to watch this space. So that's what the listener is talking about there. 1850 Hi, I'm a HSC worker. I was tested on Thursday and I'm still waiting for results. So that is disappointing. That, I'm assuming, is to do with the large number of people are now going forward for testing because certainly remember back in July when I needed to get uh, tested I was tested and in a little over 24 hours I had my results so that's disappointing to hear that you ha- that you're waiting that long because usually it has been next day uh, people are getting their results Hi Patricia could you say well done to Catherine who emailed you about the wearing of masks and this false sense of dis- of security. Very well put her comments in that email. I've been saying that since day one of wearing masks. I see it all around me. It's so shocking. Masks seem to be the new saviour and alas it's not true. There's an old saying common sense is a rare commodity. Here comes lockdown number two as we always knew it would be and I think that's the dread of everyone. The fact that we would have a second lockdown. But when I asked Dr Nick about it, the hand hygiene is, yeah, we still have to get that message to wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands he says though it goes hand in hand wear the masks and wash the hands you need you need to do the two Claire analysis hi Patricia I was in Mallow Post Office and there were signs saying face masks must be worn I think on Friday you were saying banks credit unions and post offices we don't have to wear masks while Mallow uh, Post Office are asking you to do so yeah in the guidelines not the guidelines in the regulations where it became compulsory to wear face masks in all retail outlets and in shopping centres, etc. The banks, credit unions and post offices were excluded, but that's not to say that individual branches won't ask you to wear them but it just wasn't mandatory in the regulations but they're quite within their rights and we've heard from a number of banks as well we were hearing when I mentioned it on Friday there's a number of banks had signs up saying please wear your masks 
not all of them because they're not covered they're actually not covered under uh, the regulations they are exempt but individual branches absolutely can do can do it and Michael says hi Patricia I don't think the government will be left with any other alternative but to close down bars operating with restaurants restaurant permits likewise I think all off sales should also be closed we as a country are shamed across the world for the carry-on over the weekend in that bar in Dublin. My God, what are those people doing to our country? The opening of schools could very much now hang in the balance over this scandalous, disgusting carry-on in Dublin and elsewhere. Their licences should be suspended and they should be suspended permanently. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, Michael. Angela says, I was in a restaurant and not one single member of staff had a face mask or a visor on. I was shocked again. If you read the Fault Ireland guidelines, they're optional. A lot of restaurants are doing it. A lot of restaurants are insisting that there's all of their staff wear face masks um, or a visor but it's not in the regulations that's not one of the compulsory aspects of the opening of uh, restaurants also coming into us John says they should have closed Dublin before they closed the Midlands but of course they won't close Dublin says our John he witnessed the incident we witnessed in the Dublin bar at the week and it's not just Dublin it's happening in other areas as well but John said at the weekend he saw the Gardaí going into a rural bar checking that they were t- adhering to all of the rules and the regulations but John was taken aback five Gardaí were on the patrol and he says there was probably no more than a dozen people inside in the bar. He just thought it was a waste of manpower. He also says life has to go on uh, and there will always be those who will misbehave because they feel their civil liberties are being taken away from them. Eileen says it's no wonder we have the virus. There are thousands of people flocking to West Cork, taking over the beaches and the villages. There is rumours that there are cases in West Cork. Everyone should be staying in their own counties. Just to allay people's fears, I've been constantly trying to track when we get the numbers. I go straight away to try to find out the numbers for Cork. We're very low. The numbers are very, very low in Cork. The 200 cases, for example, the other day on the Saturday, there was only one of those uh, here in Cork. So I don't want people to be panicking, thinking there's loads of outbreaks in Cork. There isn't. That's not to say that we can't get complacent. We still have to wash our hands, wear our masks, do the social distancing and all of that. But I just want to allay people's fears when you are going out. Once you're doing everything okay and you keep up the hand hand washing and you wear your mask, you will be okay. John says, I was in Dingle and you should see the parties that are happening here in Dingle the past two months. He said last Saturday night there was a massive party. John reckons there was 300 people at it. The guard in the end had to break it up. He said locals are really, really getting sick of it. Sinead said I'm cocooning and I'm very worried I'm hearing rumours the virus is in Skibbereen and this party's happening and I'm terrified Oh God Sinead my heart goes out to you listen if you are cocooning you're obviously looking after yourself and you're completely limiting where you go when you go your own personal responsibility. If you go somewhere where you feel unsafe, where there's too many people, then leave. If you want to go into a shop and you think there's too many people there, go to another shop or wait to go to that shop when it's quieter. Make sure you're wearing your mask. Bring your hand sanitising gel with you just in case there isn't hand sanitizer wherever you go. Keep washing your hands. When you come back in, first thing you do is wash your hands. Put away your bits of shopping, whatever you got. Wash your hands again. You know, you can you can look after yourself as well. And I, I sense and it's... It saddens me to hear you say you are so terrified, but you're not on your own. There's a lot of other people feeling the same way as well. But that's where you just really start to focus on on yourself. And if you are cocooning, you're obviously totally limiting where you're going 
and the number of people that you're seeing. So keep doing that. And believe me, you will. You will keep yourself uh, safe. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A full-time Suez chef and a part-time trainee chef is required to work in Mallow. While a driver is wanted for a school bus, that's in the Dohalo area. Welder slash fabricator wanted, that's in Bally Desmond. And a kitchen porter is required. That's a full-time position and that's in Bandham. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, West Cork residents are living in fear of more heavy rainfall in the coming days. Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard says residents in Rosgarbury and other areas of West Cork are fearful of more rain because already damage is estimated to run into millions of euro has been caused to roads and to property. Senator Tim Lombard once again joins me on the programme to discuss flooding. Good morning to you, Tim. Morning, Patricia. Tim, we spoke with you only on last Thursday morning and that was about the overnight rain Wednesday into Thursday morning and the devastation it caused. How bad did it get on Friday into Saturday morning? It wasn't as bad as the first outing, but it was quite significant. Um, Similar properties had were flooded. Um, More infrastructure was damaged by the actual water. Um, I was in a house yesterday in Roscarbury where there was there must have been five feet of water there on um, on the actual first outing. It wasn't as bad on the second outing, but significant amount of properties washed, um, very bad damage done. Family arms, like family photographs, all this kind of stuff, like really sad stories. Um, the one thing I got out of, I spent half the time yesterday in Ross Carberry and um, Ratbury afterwards, um, people really were emotional. They really had kind of got over the shock and they were now looking at their properties, looking at all their stuff they've collected over the years all been put into a skip and sent away. It was a quite an emotional day, I have to say. Um, it was a tough day for the residents of Ross Carberry. Um, really yeah, I mean, you can did. replace furniture and, and things and as devastating as it is, but when it's very personal memories, is it true you saw wedding photographs? Yeah, I saw one day and just one person had a wedding photograph of a parent was lost. Damaged, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, um, and, like, there was another resident who I never met before in my life, and before I got to him, he began crying. And I was going, this is a bad start, in here, you know? Yeah. So, like, people really were, and while I was there on Happus too, there was a weather warning pro for last night, and they were very fearful of what's going to happen the next few days. Um, the level of water was still very high, and obviously the roads were very badly damaged, but there was a fear of what's going to happen if this weather continues, you know? Are these uh, areas, Tim, that have commonly flooded before? Oh, I was in one house um, and they were basically telling me the last time they got flooded was 1961 and that was a tidal flood. So this was very unusual, very, um, like the level of rain that fell here in a two or three hour period. I thought it was 50 plus mil. I was talking to some residents and they were saying it was three or four inches, which would be nearly a oh, Wow. Um, so it was beyond belief. It literally was a flash flood once in a hundred year. But on the other side, there is structural issues there. Significant structural issues that have to be addressed. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's, you know, whatever about when it's an extreme weather event. And when we spoke with you on Thursday, that's what we were talking about. You know, the one in a hundred year event that, you know, no council, no government can make allowances for. Unfortunately, these things happen. But are you saying there are things that could be put in place to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like when we are down in Newtown, the actual level of the pipeway across the road isn't sufficient. It's incapable enough to take the actual water itself. And I think that became very obvious even while I was there. And I think, you know, small, which are very, very important jobs, need to be looked at immediately in Ross Carberry. Diverting water from very much up high so it doesn't come down through the actual village of Ross Carberry is another issue that they have to look at. But I do think the actual catchment area of Ross Carberry, it's a real glacial valley. You've all, you've, you've kind of valleys coming straight down through it. We have to do something to ensure that the catchment is looked at so water can be diverted before it actually hits the village itself. Because when it hits the village, it's literally going to the bottom of a saucer. And when you come to the bottom, you're going to have flooding. And that's unfortunately what happened. Okay, stay there because I want to bring in Councillor Deirdre Kelly, uh, who's on the other line from uh, Dunmanway. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning. Deirdre, how badly hit was Dunmanway on Friday into Saturday morning? Um, yes, it was particularly bad on Saturday morning, Patricia. Castle Street, Chapel Street and Woodbrook Bridge um, were the three areas that were most significantly hit. Had they also been hit Wednesday into Thursday morning or was... No, 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 it was specifically Saturday morning. And what kind of damage? Well, the houses on Chapel Street, um, the the water came in through the houses, so the bottom, the ground floor of those properties were destroyed. Um, Woodbrook Bridge was uh, particularly bad, as I said previously. Um, a wall had to be knocked to allow the water through. Um, uh, it, it transpired that the um, Woodbrook Bridge, which would be made up of three archways, uh, the water didn't have a, a, a a clean run through because two of the archways were blocked due to um, vegetation growth. It impeded the natural flow of the water, so that that was it partly to blame for for the um, the flooding in that area. See, that's frustrating for people. Whatever about this one in a hundred year event, people have mm-hmm. to just you know it happens. It's mother nature. But when there's a reason, Deirdre, mm-hmm. that adds to people's frustration. Well, I suppose. Coincidentally, Patricia, on Wednesday, I was with a delegation who met with uh, members of the OPW in relation to Dunmanway Lake and the non-return valves, which appear to be malfunctioning. And then two days later, this is what transpired. But the problem, um, as we identified as well, is that the OPW had employed a person to maintain the rivers and the waterways. But once that person retired, they weren't replaced. And I suppose that's just significant in terms of the fact that how can you maintain the waterways um, when, when you don't have somebody or personnel to do that. And I know roads have been really badly damaged. Councillor Joe Carroll wants to get in uh, on this uh, discussion. Thank you to Deirdre for that. Um, Joe, good morning to you. Good morning to um, you. You actually suspended standing orders to deal with this issue in, in West Cork. Was this a number of weeks ago? No, I tell you, um, can I put it right now, that uh, this is the first meeting after the, 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 after the last election. Uh, we, we we were making our, our speaks as we stood, and uh, I got it. I tried to get a suspension of standing orders, which I got. It's on record to say that I had I was taken back by the standard of, 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 of the roads, Patricia. The standard that I, I actually canvassed, we'll say, more or less from Newcastle down to the water, and you know, I got a first-hand look at every road. I went into one particular house. And this woman asked me, how did I get in? And I said, I said, it was bad, all right. Well, she said, my, my, my relatives won't even come to see me anymore. 
because that's the state of my roads. Now, that's only a, a little snippet of what's all over West Cork and what was like, what the roads were under. And I demanded at the time that we send a delegation to, um, to the minister, a delegation demanding emergency funding for the roads in West Cork. The roads in West Cork are, are gone to such a level that uh, we've been told by engineers that what should be done once in every six years is now can, can only be done once in every 25 years. So you know how sound the, the, the surface of the roads are being patched and they're being put together and they're being held together by patching. It has to stop. And they disintegrated with the floods? They disintegrated. They weren't capable of taking this. And see, you see, with, with if, with if, did, we have to talk to the OPW, we have to talk to many people here because the fence is not being cut. The drains are being blocked. The water has nowhere to go. It must go somewhere. No, we have to uh, take into account that this was a, a freak flood. But then again, we are I've got to have freak floods. We can't. There, there will be a thing that we will get. But I have spoken this morning uh, to um, to to the county uh, deputy CEO and to tell him to to, to remind him of my of my story with the, with the, the delegation that has not gone to Dublin yet. Well, he said we are giving you full support now. That delegation has to meet a minister. It has to meet somebody. And we are giving you full support. As we speak, he said, we are putting together that case for an emergency package for the roads of West Cork because the council, at this point in time, no way has anything near the money to put those right. Well, well, I'm reading in the papers today that the Thetic has confirmed that the government will be responding with emergency funding as soon as they know the full extent of the damage and therefore it's important for Cork County Council to finalise a detailed report as quickly as possible so they can apply for the funding. Yes, uh, that's exactly what the, what the CEO said to me. But at the same time, I want I want a, a bit of an a bit of urgency to this thing now because we just can't. You see, if you want to be making cases and doing doing surveys, and that could take six, twelve months again. This was wrong. That was wrong. We want the funding put in, the funding put in place immediately, and and and, and action. And and the the, the, the staff that the car that car county council have, they're wonderful, and we have to get our biggest praise because what they, I actually rang an engineer on Saturday morning and I said I'm sorry for ringing on a Saturday look he said don't bother he says I'm out all night as it is they've been they great out, yeah they were out all night and I know we, 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 we heard that last week as well I, I, I met people. some of them yesterday as well I mean they, 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 yeah. they, they've gone way beyond the, the call their duty but the fact of the matter is we do not have the money the money is not there for the roads and I, I, I don't have the figures now, but there was a level of money being given to Clark County Council, and I'm not being politi- political now here or anything. There was a level of money being given back in 2000, 2007 and 8. And then, of course, we had a burst in the country and a financial, financial collapse, and that went down to half or less than half, the money we were getting from, low, from central government for our roads. Now, that came back gradually, bit by bit, but it has not yet reached the, the level that we had in 2008. So where are okay. we, you know? All right, Debbie, back in um, Tim Lombard. Tim, I mean, roads literally have washed away in some parts of West Cork and I know some of the areas that you were reviewing, the roads have literally disappeared. Uh, Joe was right. I mean, it's great that the Taoiseach has committed this emergency funding, but you need it sooner rather than later. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is the issue. I think some of the roads I looked at, which I couldn't walk on because they're just totally in rubble, um, are unpassable until you get the actual emergency funding itself. I think that's very, very obvious. And I think that's going to be a really important part of it. I think money for the actual people who've lost households, um, house materials, some are insured, some aren't. I oh. think there's a major conversation that needs to happen in the next few days about what happens to the people who aren't insured. And the other issue is people who are insured but won't get insurance again. This is going to become another debate. So there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done in the next, you know, 10 days to try and get assurances to the people.
people out there. Okay. And, and unfortunately, as I've mentioned, there is a, a yellow weather warning still in place until midnight tonight. The last thing we need is more heavy rain in West Cork. Listen, folks, we leave it there. Thank you for that, though. And uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Senator Tim Lombard and also uh, councillors Deirdre Kelly and Joe Carroll. John says, Patricia, roadside drainage is not being done by the council. Water will undermine roads if it can't drain off the road surface. It's now high time to give this work to private contractors who will do the job properly. This, believe me, says John, will be money well uh, spent. And hi, Patricia. This bad weather here in West Cork. First, there are rivers that have not been dredged, then drains not been cleared, lots of roads not been repaired. Uh, Properly, hedges property hedges all overgrown West Cork has been left on the long finger for far too long Cork is the biggest county but no money has been spent down here it is so unfair West Cork people need to start speaking up and speaking up now 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Now in a few weeks time, my next guest will be heading into sixth year in Bandon Grammar School. But today, schoolwork is the last thing on his mind because Connell Boyle from Court McSherry joins me ahead of a fundraising swim that he's doing today for Mental Health uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Connell. Hiya, uh, and I'm well and you're welcome to the programme. Now your swim has always been weather permitting. Are, are you good to go today? Yeah, I'm good today. It's just overcast and black and water. It's been like this for the last couple of days anyway. And that's ideal for what you want to do? Um, I, would, I would wish for more sun, but I guess <laughs> it's okay today. Okay. Um, but it's going to be fine. Okay, the plan is to swim from... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Port McSherry, where you live, to Harbourview. How long is that going to take you? It's going to be around four kilometres. So how long will it take? It'll take about 90 minutes. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a fair swim. You're a beach guard at uh, Garrettstown. Has, has swimming always been a part of your life? Yeah, I've been swimming since I was about six and competing since I was eight years old um, in the pool and doing surf lifesaving. I've always been interested in water sports, so it's really handy. It's really good. Swimming in the pool and swimming in the sea, two very different things? Yeah, very different things. Pool, you're, you're, the water's always flat, but then different, you know, the weather permitting and you're in the ocean and you're being bashed by waves sometimes. But I'm used to it now. And have you done this swim before? I've never done this big distance before, but I've been like pacing myself over the past two months, um, training different distances. And I've also doing some training with the West Cork Triathlon Club. Okay. And They've helped me a lot, given me a bit of advice. And um, my mom's colleague has given me um, some advice too about, you know, eating and what I, I should do leading up to the event. And will you have somebody with you? Yeah, I'm going to have around four people. I've got two of my friends with me and um, Lorna Collins from the Westcourt Triathlon Club as well is going to be joining me. Because I assume it's... Is you're obviously very fit. I mean, and the fact that you're you're a beach lifeguard as well, so, so you're very fit. So it's yeah. not it's not the fitness side of it; it's the mental side of it, isn't it? With all of these sort of endurance swims, it's 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 mind over matter, really, isn't it? Yeah, like when you're playing with a team, you're relying on each other and you help each other like get to the best results. But like, say, like single sports like sailing and golf and swimming, you're in your own head and you're going from A to B to do to try and do your best. And along the way, you know. Um, there can be some challenges and, you know, everything can change in a second. But if you just keep it cool and keep your training and get the best advice you can, then you'll get the best result. So what would be your biggest concerns about today? Um, a lot of rain and there's been sea fog um, for the past few days and hopefully that it won't get too dense. But okay. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. My thing's going to be okay. Okay, yeah, there is rain forecast, even though I don't know if West Cork, I think it's kind of moving away from West. So you might be okay. Uh, yeah, I heard that's going to just pass by a bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, you are, it's a fundraiser. You're, you're doing it for, for Mental Health Ireland. Why Mental Health Ireland? Well, I, I'm trying to like get the message across that some people might, you know, mentally have, you know, insecurities, depression or anxiety anxiety about anything, you know, and they might develop it from school, sports, um, leading up, you know, when they're very young. And I'm just trying to help everyone else that's got, like, help everyone else that's got um, mental health problems and just tell everyone that everything's going to be okay and just seek the best, you know, advice that everyone can get from people. Well done, well done. It's all to do with destigmatizing and and it's getting people to talk. I mean, your age group, um, Connell, it's kind of like if, if you broke your leg, you'd be able to tell all your friends, oh, I broke my leg. But it, it, it's hard for, for any age group, but I think in particular younger people, it's hard, isn't it, to say, well, it's my head is all over the place. 
Yeah, I, I found it hard, you know, trying to tell people things. And I can see from my friends and other people that they're just stuck in a box and that I can see by their expressions and that the way they talk, they're quiet and they just want to let it out. But sometimes letting it out, they might think it's, they might not get the best help they can get from, you know, telling their problems, you know. But I encourage people to tell their problems um, and talk to people and get the best, seek the best advice they can. And that's where a charity like Mental Health Ireland come in. Yeah, it's, Mental Health Ireland is a wide range of helping people from different problems, you know, um, from suicide to just the small problems that might be in school or at work, you know. Yeah, they're fantastic. There. Now, you had hoped to raise a thousand euro. That was your goal. But you, yeah, you, you, at, you've well surpassed that. Yeah, I'm at like 1,500 now. Brilliant. Really, and yeah. so is that that's just all friends and colleagues, is it? Uh, friends, colleagues. Um, I've got primary school teachers that donated, school <laughs> teachers, all that kind of thing. It's great. Right, I right. Well done, well done. And you're, you're beach guarding. In, how's that going? It's in, in Garrettstown. Are you busy? Um, like, we know that this staycation has, um, we can really see that, like, just last Sunday, we had really good weather. Um, and normally there's three lifeguards around, like, every beach, like, three lifeguards in Garrison, but we asked for the extra help, and there's four of us there, and it was really, really helpful. We needed the help that day. Um, the beach this year, it hasn't been, hasn't been, like, nothing major has happened that Thank much. God. Um, you know, everyone's respecting lifeguards. You know, everyone's being safe when it comes to the beach. We're all okay. Wasn't that story out of Galway amazing? The two girls on the paddle boards. Yeah, I can't believe that. Um, like, I, I hear stories from like you know years ago that oh they stayed the night um, and survived in the, the wilderness like that kind of thing. And then this kind of water, I can't believe they didn't get hypothermia or anything like that. They're really good girls. Well done, to them. Yeah, yeah, but it does show the dangers, doesn't it, of the sea? Yeah, and it can happen in a second, you know. Uh, the the water is really un- unexpected. Um, like, I was working one day, and to me it looked fine, but we were watching children swim in the water, and we just have to get them at a safer depth, you know. Anything that can happen in a second. That's why those inflatable, those lilos, I'm assuming you're dead against those, are you, at the, at the sea? Yeah, anyone who comes to the beach, we advise them not to go in inflatables because... Um, it might look fine. It might look like it's a happy day to go on in your inflatable, but you could be swept out. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it will, if you see one person going with the inflatable, it'll just encourage others. Yeah. yeah. And you get swept out so quickly, as you said, it can be almost in the in the, in the blink of, uh, of of an eye. And you're heading back to school at the end of next month. You've been out of school now since uh, mid March. How are you feeling about going back? Um, I like I, I like the break, but sure, we have to go back. <laughs> um. I have to get my head down and I'll, 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 hopefully it'll be a good year. I'm, I'm looking forward to go back. You're going into Leaving Cert uh, year and I, I have a huge sense of sympathy for your Leaving Cert class because you've missed out on this chunk of fifth year. So you've got a really tough year next year to, to make up for the last time as well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. We might have um, more school tests, um, you know, based like, you know, you know, like maybe people, young people, you know, they're going to have to, you know, not meet up, with, meet up with their friends a bit more or go out that much and really stick to school since we missed out about three months of school. Yeah. So it's going to be a really, a really big challenging just always being in school and and the regulations that will be in school too. So we'll have to like keep happy, keep open-minded and encourage everyone in school all the way. Well done. Well, well done. And what have you plans? What are your plans for after school, for after leaving cert? 
Um, I'm hoping to do nursing and then after that, um, medicine. Oh, wow, you'd you make a fine, I was about to say you make a fine nurse, but you'll make a fine doctor as well, I can tell you that. You're a credit, yeah. you're a credit to your family, uh, Connell. Can we wish you the best of luck? You're heading out today, uh, half three, is it? Yeah, half three. Okay, and will there be some socially distanced people down there to cheer you on? Yeah, definitely. I'll have some family members down there. We'll all be social distancing, all right. Good, good. We, we wish you luck with this. Well done, uh, Colin. And enjoy it as well, as much as you can enjoy a swim like that. But listen, thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Conal Boyle from Court Mac heading off on that swim for Mental Health uh, Ireland. Uh, it really is uh, incredible. As soon as he, he he'd hoped to raise €1,000 and he's gone well over on that on, on £1,500. We wish him well with the swim. 1850-333-103. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest And I forgot when I was chatting with uh, Connell Boyle in the last hour, who is embarking three o'clock this afternoon, hoping to swim from Court McSherry to Harbourview and doing it as a fundraiser for Mental Health Ireland. And I was praising him for what he was doing and the fact that he was fundraising for Mental Health Ireland. I forgot to say if people would like to donate, he's doing it through his Facebook page and it's Connell's Swim, C-O-N-A-L-L, Connell's Swim is a Facebook page. He had his goal was a thousand euro for Mental Health Ireland and has already gone to fifteen hundred which is uh, terrific. Uh, The future is very safe when we've got young people like that who are so socially aware of others and the need for a group like Mental Health Ireland to get uh, support. We wish uh, Connell good luck with his swim today. Uh, It's a pity the weather isn't a bit kinder but listen, he'll be fine. He'll get on great, please God. Uh, 1850 333 103. Some of your texts and calls coming into the programme on issues we've been addressing in the last hour. We were talking about flooding and the dreadful flooding that has happened in West Cork. Councillor Declan Hurley has WhatsApp to say it's a waste of money repairing roads if the problem of flooding uh, is not addressed. The failure of successive governments over the years to adequately maintain rivers and streams and to undertake necessary local prevention work has proven disastrous and it's led to what we've seen over the weekend. Yeah, how right you are. There will be a lot of people will be agreeing with Declan on that. Uh, Kevin says it should be mentioned that West Cork were West Cork roads were in such a state of disrepair before we even had this flash flooding, possibly the worst in the country. The the roads the floods destroyed the roads isn't the full story, says uh, Kevin. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And Jackie says, in the scheme of things, the rain, bad as it was, wasn't hurricane force. It's the state of the roads and their demise shows how badly they were laid in the first place and how badly maintained and finished they have been. That's what the real problem is. It's the state of those roads and the problems that it was. Um, and that's what's led to, you know, a massive downpour of rain like that. And it was, a, you know, a huge deluge of rain. But if the roads were in reasonably good conditions, what people are saying, that should never have happened. 1850 I can see questions coming in for Annalise. You can keep those coming, please. On should the pubs close or not? A lot of people want to get in there, spake on that. Somebody says, the people that are saying close the pubs and lock down the country again, have these people a life? The virus is with us. 
There's nothing we can do about it. We have to learn to live with COVID-19. The winter flu is contagious, just as bad. We have done everything this government have asked us to do. Now it's time that we get back our lives, says this listener, who doesn't want to see a return to lockdown and certainly doesn't want to hear anything of the people who are calling for a complete shutdown of all the bars and restaurants. Hi, says another texter, as alcohol is not a necessity. It's an awful insult to our frontline workers. Close the bars and more importantly, close the off licences. The bars have had it good for many a decade. Now it's time to simply close them. And this is from Dan to say, Hi Patricia, the video circulating on the Berlin D2 bar in Dublin. It was interesting to hear the input from the councillor and bar owner that you had on your programme that was councillor Danny Collins from the Boston Bar in Bantry. Interesting to listen to him earlier on your programme. While he was unhappy with the scene portrayed out of the pub in Dublin, he did not say it should be closed when you asked. I think this reflects the true value of bar owners. Obviously, their main aim is to open but they also know that they have very little control over any situation that can develop once the impact of drink takes over. I have family members who are still waiting to get back to work because their businesses are still waiting for the go-ahead to reopen. After all we've been through and are going through, how can we justify pubs reopening are indeed being open at the moment? I believe that the restrictions should be reviewed to allow restaurants and restaurants only to open but to close all businesses whose primary business is selling alcohol kind regards says Dan and I did hear Neffet say back in the very early days when restaurants were allowed to reopen and suddenly gastropubs were also allowed to reopen I did hear and I just can't remember who it was from Neffet and I don't even know if it was Tony Hoolan Dr Tony Hoolan or not but it was somebody on the Neffet board said that their original intention around restaurants opening was just for restaurants to open and their thinking behind it was that people would go in and they would sit down and they would have a nice meal and they would be in and out and they'd have a few drinks with their meal and they'd be gone home within the allocated two hours and then the next lot of people could come in. They say they never thought that bars were going to be able to get around the opening uh, and open up but you know they're, they're the rules and the people that are, are opening and again that I go back to and you know Danny Collins said the same thing the majority are adhering to the guidelines and I've been out practically every weekend uh, we've gone out for a meal since the restaurants were allowed to reopen and, and I have to say they've all been and we've Brought, we've every time I went out, we brought Marsha with us, our, our, our deafblind daughter, who we've got to be extremely careful of because her hands are her eyes, or her hands go everywhere. So I can't go in anywhere where I feel she's not going to be safe or where I'm uncomfortable watching to make sure that she's she's okay. And everywhere I've gone, I mean, they've been fantastic, and the staff have been great, and the the constant cleaning that's going on, and I felt safe. So you know. This blanket ban of saying close them all is unfair on the businesses that are doing it correct. And, you know, and I like to think and I like to believe that the majority are doing it correctly, but it's the minority that will ruin it for everybody else. But thank you for your text, uh, Dan. Uh, Patricia, if drink and the sale of drink was banned, it would be a lot cheaper than the whole country closing down because that's the way it's going. And I think that's the fear of people at the moment is with Neffet meeting today. I think the fear is that people are, ju- are just afraid that that's what's going to happen that they'll end up closing everything down and we'll be going backwards as is happening in fairness in other countries we've seen Spain we've seen Italy and they're going backwards they had opened up 
felt it was now feel it's the wrong thing to do because they've had so many cases. But I, I suppose for Spain initially, their big problem is they have they were suppressing the virus and getting it under control. But then they opened up their tourist areas and then people started bringing in COVID-19 back into the areas and now they're they're certainly paying the price uh, for that. Okay, some of your texts in to uh, us there for Annalise. Thank you for that. This is back on the roads. The council forget uh, about the by roads. Some of us have to live on those by roads and there are many of us have to go out and free the gullies in order for us to be able to get out to work in the morning. Nobody, everyone seems to forget about those of us that live down by roads, says the texter. There's no name on that. Uh, Tim says the 200 new infection figure that came out on Saturday, was it Saturday, Friday or Saturday? Uh, 83 of them or 41% were from Kildare. A smaller figure were from Leash and none of them were from Offaly. The following day there was 23 new cases in Kildare. 106 in two days in a rural county apart from the commuter belt. If so many are living in County Kildare and working in Dublin, maybe Dublin and Kildare should be one unit as people are contracting the virus in Dublin and they're bringing it back to Kildare, although the meat plant was a factor as well says uh, Tim. And remember when I was talking with Dr Nick earlier and a listener rang in and was nervous about going to the NCT centre and I thought Dr Nick did really well to allay that gentleman's fears. He's got an underlying health condition and he lives at home with somebody who's quite medically vulnerable and just terrified, needs to get the car NCT'd but terrified and I thought Nick gave absolutely great advice. Well Eddie in Ovens has been on to say he had to go to the NCT centre and it was the Blarney NCT centre. I don't know where the other listener will be going to get their car NCT but I'm assuming all of the NCT centres are the same Eddie very impressed with the way it was run after you book in you're told to go back and stay in your car with your keys you then have to open all of the windows to make sure that the car is well ventilated you have to make sure you leave no masks or no tissues inside in the car and then when the tester then takes your car you stay outside which was the advice actually that Nick gave as well keep outside as much as possible and then as Nick said bring with hand sanitizer with you just to be sure and of course make sure you wash your hands as soon as you get home and you can certainly protect uh, yourself. And here's something completely different. Hi Trish, wondering would any of your listeners know where I can donate teddy bears? I have two big bags full of them. I did an attic clear out. Well done. They're all in extremely good condition. Now I don't want to give them to somebody because I'd be feared that someone would go on and sell them on and make a profit for themselves and I don't want to do that. I'd really like to see them go to a good home. If anybody is interested, could you pass my number on to them uh, please um, and don't give my number out in air because I don't want time wasters okay does anybody know of a good home for a two large bags of teddy bears all in good condition I don't know if any of the charity shops some charity shops take soft toys others don't because they get swamped with them and they can literally have warehouses full of uh, teddy bears I remember the last time we did an appeal for teddy bears with the ones that went out with the Nile Mellon Trust out in uh, South Africa but I don't know if anybody is collecting teddy bears at the moment so we'll put a shout out does anybody know of what this listener can do with two large bags I'm in my mind seeing two big black sacks big black plastic bags full of perfect condition teddy bears are always in perfect condition we seem to give them as presents and they don't get that much use and they end up being as good as the day that they were bought if anybody has any suggestion as to what our listener can do or if anybody wants them and we can 
exchange numbers. Can you give John Paul uh, a call or Sadie 1850-333-103 or if you want to send me in a text you can to 0862 103103 and they're the same number same text number if you have a question for Annalise our nutrition therapist get it into us please The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie the Kildallery Community Development they're holding their next lotto draw now it'll be held this Thursday 4 o'clock in the afternoon and it'll be in the Kildallery Community Office tickets are on sale in local outlets the the Ladies Club and St Mary's GAA they're going to host a drive in bingo in the car park of St Mary's Club grounds in Enniskeen it's going to happen on Friday 7 o'clock start books available in Scannell's Pharmacy Ballinine and Enniskeen post offices and as part of National Heritage Week in Mitchellstown a free guided family history walking tour will be held next Saturday it starts from Clongibbon House Hotel last for two hours and check in as 11.45am to book your place please call 087 Tríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríthríth
um, and because of the nature of the incident that they wouldn't be able to give out any other details. But we do know that the man was in his 70s and they haven't said whether he was a local man or a visitor to the town. Um, so, uh, you know, it, what we do know is, though, that for, to this mother and her child, this man was not known. Yes, as I said, it's, I don't think I've ever uh, heard a, a case that we've been reporting on like this before. But I mm. suppose with all the COVID-19 restrictions and everyone being so careful about bodily fluids, etc., that mm. just adds a new level of fear, doesn't it, for the mother? It does, yeah, particularly when we're all being told to wear masks because the COVID-19 um, can spread through, uh, as you said, um, you know, saliva and you know, different drops that would come from your, your mouth um, and nose. So for somebody to lick somebody on the face is a complete uh, no-no at the minute. It would be anyway, but particularly now. Um, so it is a very strange and bizarre incident. And there doesn't seem to be at this stage any known reason as to why this man did it. Um, you know, we haven't been told anything about why he did it. And I don't think he said anything to the mother and the child before or afterwards, which would lead them to understand why he did it. So, um, you know, it's all part of the Garda investigation and, you know, the file will be sent to the DPP and um, it will be the Director of Public Prosecution's decision then whether or not to um, bring this case any further. Okay, and of course, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of summer, Clonakilty would have been a busy spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I understand that after it happened, um, a number of people who would have been nearby came over to assist the mother, the mother and the child, and they contacted Gardaí. Now, the child um, wasn't injured in any way, but um, was obviously very bemused by what happened, and the mother was very distraught, and people did come to their aid at the time and Gardaí responded fairly quickly I believe as well. Okay, all right, we'll leave it there Fiona, thank you for that and thank uh, you. thanks uh, for joining us, that is our senior news reporter uh, Fiona Corcoran and as I said, I keep using the word bizarre because I do think it's just the most bizarre case of uh, what happened in Clonakilty on a Saturday afternoon and thank you to a couple of people who've been on to give suggestions to our listener who has the did a clear out of the attic and has come up with two large big bags of teddy bears that she would like to donate uh, to somebody, to a charity. She wants to send them on to a good home, I suppose, more than anything else. A couple of suggestions coming in regarding the teddies. What about schools that do after-school or childcare centres? They could divide them amongst the pods because that's the big one at the moment, isn't it? Children are not allowed to share toys, particularly in the creche. They have to have the same same toys. And it's, I, I take it it's going to be the same with the primary schools as well. So maybe if they could try a local creche, they might be interested in taking them from you. Uh, Sue Ryder, the charity shop, Sue Ryder, they certainly take soft toys, says another uh, listener. Hi, Patricia, the lady with her two bags of teddies, could she give them to Belarus? Or could she give them to Team Hope? You know, Team Hope who do the shoebox uh, appeal. To me, they sound too big for the for the shoebox. If they were small and could fit into a teddy a, a box, they could. But I think, and I know we'll hopefully do an interview on it closer to the time because usually it's around the mid the October midterm break that we normally do something about Team Hope. Team Hope this year because we looked into this. Somebody last week wanted to know what they're doing the shoebox appeal this year. They're doing it virtually. They're doing it online because of all the social distancing and the sanitising of things I don't think they're collecting the shoeboxes this year so I don't know if it will be the same with the teddy bears or not 
but and a charity I know for Belarus as well bringing stuff overseas you know there's none of that going on at the moment is the problem but it's a suggestion I suppose if any of those charities wanted to take them and hang on to them until life returns uh, to normal uh, maybe an overseas charity uh, could take them and Rebecca says Hi Patricia Dogs Trust or any dog rescue group usually take teddy bears now I'm wondering when I'm looking at that for what reason is that for the dogs to play with and rip them to shreds which I don't think is what our listener because they're in perfect condition now I could be wrong but is that what dogs trust and a dog rescue will do and you know those poor little dogs need comfort and they, I mean you know if you've got a puppy you know what a puppy will do with a teddy bear so I don't know if that's quite what the listener wants but Rebecca also says could you advertise Cork Nature Network on uh, Facebook, they have great videos this week for for na- for National Biodiversity Week. Could you give it a mention? Says Rebecca, glad to do it. So that's the Nature Network. Go onto their Facebook page to take a look at their biodiversity. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If you've got a question, please for Annalise. And somebody says the children's shop in Spillers Lane in Clan. They take all size teddies. The children's shop and it's a charity shop, is it? I'm assuming it is. OK, thank you for that. That came in by text to 0862 103 103. OK, let's take a break and let's come back with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. If you've got a question, now is the time to get it in by phone, by text, by WhatsApp or email Patricia at c103.ie. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And just a couple of people have contacted us from West Cork. This is to do with the flooding that we mentioned earlier. Kay is in Ross Garbury and she said from Rowry Bridge to Glandor the road there is in a dreadful condition. Cases we live on that road, we have to use that road. I'm appealing to the road engineers to sort out this problem, please, as soon as possible. That's Rowley Bridge to Glandor. And Larry in Clonakilty says, I see roads that are not flooded, but mark my words, says Larry, they will be flooded. Why? The gullies are already full of water only a matter of time before they flood again particularly around the south ring area of Clon and the Ballinglana area the gullies are full of water and with more rain forecast certainly not good news OK let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig where we're joined by Annalise Drissel Good afternoon to you Annalise Good afternoon Patricia. And you are very welcome straight into questions coming in to you for Annalise please What can I do about swollen ankles? Is there anything that Annalise can suggest? So that sounds to me mostly like water retention and actually probably a lot of us suffer from it when it gets this kind of hot and humid as well, Patricia. Or very, very hot weather can make your ankles swell. A lot of people as well, they'll notice um, after they get off a plane, hands and ankles might be very swollen. So probably one of the best things is um, rubbing magnesium into the um, ankles. You can get it as a gel or you can get it as an oil. And magnesium is great for helping the... Um, the lymph to get working again to get that liquid that's kind of surrounding the tissue of the ankles to you know get back into the bloodstream but another tea that is wonderful and I've, I get, always get great feedback on is one by a, um, a company called Heath and Heather and it's dandelion and burdock tea and I sell quite a lot of that and the feedback is always excellent so that also is another one that stimulates the lymph 
the kidneys and the liver, which is great for kind of helping with fluid retention. Sometimes it can be as a side effect of your medication as well, Patricia. So if you're on blood pressure medication, that's a common problem. And elevating your feet can help as well. So when you're sitting down to watch a bit of telly in the evening, keep your feet well up. Hi, Annalise. I've taken two lots of antibiotics. My stomach is terrible from them. I've also got thrush on my tongue as well. What can I take to get my system back to normal? That's from Liz. Oh, my God, Liz, my heart goes out to you. And it's very common as well after an antibiotic, Patricia, um, because it does kill all the good bacteria as well as the, the infectant effective bacteria is trying to kill. So what I would recommend now is a very good quality probiotic. Um, so BioCult is one brand I like very much and they've got a boosted product that's just out on the market recently, which is a very high strength one. Um, they also do one that is specifically for people who suffer from thrush um, and it's called BioCult Candia, C-A-N-D-E-A. Now you can actually, if you have thrush below, you can actually insert these capsules below and it's much quicker uh, result than taking it because it takes a while for the bacteria to work their way around to the front. Um, and then oral thrush is, is best dealt with with something like the grapefruit seed extract used as a mouthwash. So you could buy the, that in a health store. It comes under the brand name um, of Citricidal, C-I-T-R-I-C-D-A-L, Citricidal. And it's the extract of the seeds of grapefruit. So it's very, very bitter. And you can use this as a mouthwash. So I'd put about 10 or 15 drops in with a bit of warm water and just swish it around the mouth for about five minutes and um, spit it out then. And the other thing I'd suggest as well is that you soak your toothbrush in that at night time so that you don't keep reinfecting your mouth with the thrush. So I'd say continue the probiotic for at least a month afterwards. And make a note of what antibiotic you took because some antibiotics can cause thrush and others don't, I find. And I suppose it's all down to the individual as well. A lot of people have take antibiotics and they never get thrush at all. A lot of women actually coming up to menopause will notice that thrush is more frequent. So I think there's times in a woman's life where you're more prone to getting it than others too. Us poor women. Okay. Hi, Annelise. Uh, The the Dettol spray, is that good for disinfecting the handles on doors? Or would you suggest anything else? What is best to wipe down things to keep it clean? Also, does Annelise recommend cleaning all the groceries when we bring them home? Yeah, you see, I suppose it's it's a hard one to kind of answer that now, Patricia, really, because like Dettol, the, the, those um, disinfectants definitely work. And to be very, very sure, you, you know, using the, the rubbing alcohol is possibly one of the most effective to kill viruses. Uh, a lot of the other ones are antibacterial, but maybe not necessarily antiviral. So I think that if, you're, if you've got a vulnerable person at home, it's good to clean all of those down. Um, however... It's a lot of work and also it's a lot of work to have to do it with your vegetables and fruits um, on the off chance that possibly the packaging has been touched by somebody. What I would really suggest is if you want to be safe and not use any chemicals on your fruit and veg, I'd fill a sink up with some apple cider vinegar or you could use colloidal silver. So these are safe to take internally. They're not containing any chemicals. They won't affect your gut and they won't affect the bacteria in your gut, but they will disinfect and they are good natural antivirals and antibacterials. They're not 100% effective, but it is a safer way of disinfecting your fruit and veg. And then if you're very worried, you could wipe down packaging with the rubbing alcohol uh, before you take things out of packages. Um, But I mean, I think... 
again, that's not necessary for everybody, Patricia. I think mm-hmm. it's only if you've got someone very vulnerable. And so. the advice has always been because that at the start of it, they, they said, oh, every package that comes into the house has to be washed. And then the experts came out and said, no, it doesn't. What they do recommend is when you get home, first thing you do is wash your hands. Put your shopping away and wash your hands again. That's the recommendation, Absolutely. yeah. And and this is the thing, Patricia, even if you do actually touch a surface with the virus on there, it still needs to be transferred into your respiratory passages um, or into your mouth. So it has to get into your system. So we're back to the hand washing again and again. It's the safest thing to do um, is just keep washing your hands. And it's got the best chance, even wearing masks, I think, are not as effective as the hand washing. So just make sure you wash them very, very frequently and use the hot water and soap and wash, you know, you need to wash your hands. It's Correctly. Give them a quick rinse. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's properly. Now, somebody saw this up on Facebook and actually I saw it at the weekend as well. It was a recommendation to put a few drops of peppermint oil onto your cotton face mask. Uh, does Annalise think that's a good idea? Look, peppermint oil, again, can be a natural antibacterial and antiviral but it's not going to give you the kind of protection that you really need um tea tree is probably a lot more effective but even at that um i think if someone was going to do something i would spray your mask with colloidal silver because that's not going to interfere with your breathing and it is very very effective um in fact i use that here because i have to wear so many masks all the time patricia and washing them and some of them get left here behind in work so i if i feel i just need to throw one on quickly i'll give it a spray of colloidal silver and that for me is kind of you know, disinfecting it as best I can when I'm in okay. an environment where I haven't access to a hot washing machine. Okay, Balanine, uh, listener, hi. I have a problem with phlegm at the moment. It's only in the morning time I, I wake up. I seem to have a build-up of phlegm. Is there anything I can do to get rid of it? But it only seems to be a big issue in the morning. So, well, I suppose what I'd say there, Patricia, really, is that it might be something that'll go away by itself. It doesn't, if it's not causing any distress, uh, you know, maybe you don't need to worry about it or do anything. Usually for kind of a build-up of phlegm, you use herbs like ivy and thyme uh, to dry up that phlegm. Plantago is another herb as well that's used. It's spelled P-L-A-N-T-A-G-O. But that's better for kind of mucus trapped in the chest, whereas this is more just mucus, I think, probably in the throat. So um, sometimes you can get to the bottom of why you've got this mucus and sometimes not. So I'd suggest if it's a worry, try the ivy in time. If that doesn't clear it up, it is possible that maybe it's coming from your stomach at night time, um, in which case sleep on an elevated bed. So put a couple of books under the top legs of your bed so that the bed is slightly elevated and maybe sleep on a couple of billow- pillows and see does that solve the problem. Okay, Pat has a teenage boy problem in the house. Question for Annalise, what supplements or is there anything that you could suggest taking for an over-smelly, sweaty teenage boy. He does shower, but the smell seems to return soon. Could it be hormones? Definitely. Probably hormones, Patricia. It can be dietary as well. So uh, the liver is a great detoxifier. And if that's not really working effectively, the skin often does detox. And people might notice as well that the smell of their sweat changes depending on what they eat. And for women as well, it can change depending on the time of the month. So it's all kind of, you know, tied in with liver support as well. So in this case, I think that, um, you know, like if it's a teenager now, so I'm saying this with a bit of tongue in cheek because they can be very fussy about their food. But taking a green juice to support the liver and kind of cleanse out the blood would be very good. And that would be things like lemon juice, 
cucumber, throw in a load of spinach leaves and then a couple of apples can sweeten it up and make it taste very nice. And that would be very good for sort of kind of just a great cleanse and support. Um, If you wanted to take a supplement for the liver, there's lots of ones that you can get in a health shop. You're looking for something like the dandelion, uh, burdock, those ones. Actually, that tea I was mentioning for the... um, the water retention would work as well. These support the pathways in the liver that are very important for detoxifying old hormones. Anything with sulfur in it, like dandelion, onions, garlic, these all work very well to um, support those pathways and get rid of all hormones. And that can help as well a bit. Uh, it might be a bit of trial and error. And I just it's just unfortunate, but just keep washing clothes. Yeah. Uh, Sheila, hi, I'm on Eltharoxin for an underactive thyroid gland. Could Annelise tell me what is the correct blood test reading for thyroid to be normal, says Sheila. Do you know, I don't know the answer to that question now and I probably should, Patricia, but they normally give it on the blood test result. They normally give the range, so so I read it off from that. Um, But one thing I would say is that sometimes your TSH can be within range. What they measure in your blood test is they measure TSH mainly, which is, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. And if that's high, it's a sign that your thyroid isn't working. So your body's trying to stimulate it more by making more of the hormone. That can be a sign that you've got an underactive thyroid. They also might measure the T4 in your blood. And that's the hormone that your thyroid, that, sorry, that um, you're taking in terms of your L-troxin. But what they don't often measure is your T3, and that's your active hormone. And that's the one really that gives you, you know, the, all of the benefits of the thyroid, which is revving up your metabolism, keeping you warm, keeping your cells, um, energy pathways ticking over properly. So a lot of people, you know, may not be efficient at converting the thyroid hormone into the T4 into that T3. So taking a supplement with selenium can help or eating Brazil nuts, which have, are very high in selenium, is also can help. It's hard for us to get selenium in our food and that is key for the conversion to the active form. So maybe try the selenium and see if, you know, if you're on Eltrox and you don't feel it's benefiting you, try that to see if you can get the conversion working efficiently and that might just be the kickstart you need. Is it my imagination are more and more people being diagnosed with underactive thyroids than ever before or has it always been the case? No, I well, I actually don't know, Patricia, but I do I do notice from coming into the shop, there is a particular area just outside Balancolic here where I find that there's a lot of people with low thyroid. And I often wonder about water because, you know, um, fluoride, we fluoridate our water here in Ireland and uh, the fluoride actually will bind on to the, glob, the, the thyroglobulin, which is the protein um, used to make your thyroid hormone. And it, it means that iodine cannot bind on So sometimes water that has been highly fluoridated may prevent people from actually making their thyroid hormone effectively for that reason. Um, Also, iodine deficiency is another um, cause of of thyroid problems. And there are pockets in the world where iodine is very, very poor in the soil. And certainly the way that we farm nowadays where there's a lot of, um, you know, intensive farming on soil. And they're using fertilizers that are very high, maybe in nitrogen and and, um, and not, you know, using organic matter, which would be naturally high. Like seaweed, which is why seaweed grown carrots and potatoes are always so delicious and so nutritious, would be full of iodine. So if you feel that you might be deficient in iodine, don't take the iodine itself. Take kelp. So kelp is a seaweed. It will be naturally high in iodine. But because it's coming in this kelp food form, you're not in the danger of overdosing and, and, and causing an imbalance. Ger says, hi, uh, could Annelise tell me what's the normal blood sugar levels for a 63-year-old woman? 
So I think fasting blood sugar levels when you get tested should be at, um, at sometimes it comes back at six and under. Um, but I think nutritionally speaking, we would like to see blood sugars, fasting blood sugars under five. So if your plant blood sugars are over that, that's a sign that your cells are not listening to the signals of insulin and taking the blood, uh, the sugar out of the blood and putting it into, in, into the cells where it's needed. Um, so, and it's a big problem at the moment, Patricia, type 2 diabetes is very much becoming a Western disease and very much on the increase, even amongst young people, whereas before it was only people over the age of sort of 50 would, would ever get it. Um, and it is massively diet related. Um, it's down to the amount of you know, processed grains and sugars that we have in our diet. But the good news is, is that nine times out of 10, it's fully reversible with diet. So you can get back to being, you know, to having healthy blood sugars with a good diet. And certain supplements will help as well. So there's a supplement called berberine, which is very good to help improve cells sensitivity to insulin. There's another one they use a lot in India called bitter melon, but it's quite hard to get your hands on here in Ireland. And that would be a very, very common um, after dinner um, digestif in India, they would take bitter melon afterwards to help with the blood sugar um, resulting from a meal. Uh, cinnamon is another lovely one as well. So that's very high in chromium, which is important for cell sensitivity to insulin. So you could put um, cinnamon onto your breakfast cereal, your porridge in the morning, or if you can't stand the taste of it, you could always take a chromium supplement as well. When we're talking about teenagers, a listener says, I have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old boys won't eat vegetables. What can I do to replace them? Yeah, so, and I, you know, it really is probably one of the most important components of the diet, but definitely during the teenage years, you know, I mean, you can't force feed them. So ways around it would be to try and hide vegetables a lot in food. So say spaghetti bolognese, Patricia, is a great one because you can hide, um, you know, you could grate carrot into spaghetti bolognese and um, other vegetables that they don't notice like courgette they wouldn't even notice that in a spaghetti bolognese you can also sometimes tempt them like with nice dips so you could cut up carrot sticks maybe pepper sticks um, and those sugar snap peas are very tasty to take as well and you could give them to them with hummus dips or sour cream dips which are very good for the good bacteria of your gut as well so there might be ways of kind of enticing them to do that. And then if you're very worried, I think probably give them a, a multivitamin supplement. I don't usually recommend multivitamins because I think if you have a healthy diet, you shouldn't need one. But in this case, they're going to be missing out on a huge amount mm. of vitamins and minerals. So get them a good quality multivitamin and just make sure that they take that every day. And they hopefully will grow out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, I'm, I'm on a blood pressure tablet and a tablet for my cholesterol. I've now been told I should take an aspirin tablet as well. Is there anything I can take instead of the aspirin? And I don't know why Mary doesn't want to take the aspirin, but is there anything you can take instead? Yes, yeah, so I think aspirin is normally recommended as a blood thinner. And, you know, it, there's actually... Of all, you know, the lots of medications do come with very bad side effects, but aspirin doesn't have too many bad side effects. For some people, it can damage the lining of their stomach, but they do. They have come up with new aspirins to try and bypass that problem. But if you want a natural alternative, you're looking for natural blood thinners, and they would be things like the omega three fish oils are wonderful blood thinners. So much so that if you want to give blood or if you're going in for surgery, you should stop it two weeks before because it really does make your blood flow beautifully thinly. Uh, Turmeric is another natural blood thinner. Um, So they probably would be the biggest two in terms of blood thinners. Uh, But I think, you know, if you're worried about heart disease, aspirin is, is probably one of the least 
worrying drugs and the, the fewest side effects of any of them to have to take. Okay, and a listener who has been on medication to help her sleep for the last three months, uh, they worked well to start with, but now lately not working as well. I'm only getting four hours sleep. Any suggestion? So it's, the, the natural remedies for sleep are difficult, Patricia, because the truth is they actually don't make you sleepy. What they really do is they calm down the kind of the side of the adrenaline um, side of your stress system to kind of really make you calm, to put you in a very good um, um, mood and a good mood to sleep. So they calm down the busy brain and the busy body. And they would be things like valerian, um, what else is very good? Melissa is another one, which is also called lemon balm. Some people find magnesium is wonderful to help them sleep at night. Passion flower is another one too that people often take for sleep. So they would be typical remedies. Oh, actually, cannabis oil as well, the CBD oil, the cannabis oil without the hallucinatory compound. I've uh, a lot of my customers now are starting to use that for sleep and they find it wonderful. All of these do the exact same thing. It's all stopping that sort of anxious, busy body, busy brain. Um, and this isn't a natural remedy, but it can help sometimes if people are really going through a bad uh, can't sleep time is the drowsy antihistamines can work very well to get you off to sleep. So I don't think they would be good for you long term. But if you're going through a bad patch, they can help as well. And there's nothing worse than not getting a good night's sleep uh, for sure. OK, listen, we leave it there. Annelise, have a great week and Thanks, we'll, talk, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you for that. That is Annelise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. And our apologies if we didn't get all of the questions because we always get swamped uh, with too many questions for Annelise. Hi, Patricia, it would be great if uh, Cork County Council could keep their recycling centres opening times up to date on their website. I went to the Bandon Centre and it was closed today. I did check the website. I travelled from Dunmanway. Many other people were arriving at the gate while I was there and just had to turn around again. Thanking you, says uh, Dorothy. And I know they contacted us earlier today and I did mention it that the Bandon Civic Community Society is closed for today. It was due to be uh, reopened. And we've been nearly every day, I think for the last couple of weeks, we've had various civic community sites closed ones that were due to be open and I know John Paul looked into it and it's to do with holiday rosters more than anything they just don't have the staff but yeah maybe Cork County Council maybe they could allocate somebody to just put a note up on their on their website just to let people know you do really need to I don't know if there's any other way that people could check with Cork County Council because there's nothing more frustrating than to get in the car pack up all of your recycling goods to get there only to discover that the recycling centre is closed it is a big big frustration so uh, I can sense that uh, Dorothy thank you for your text okay that's where I have to leave you for today my thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking all of your calls today and thank you to everybody who sent in a text with a busy programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon to you. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and stay safe. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.